0: Welcome to the Building Great Lives podcast, a podcast about real life, real issues, and finding real answers to life's most difficult questions. And now your host, Trent Gillum. Greetings, everyone. Trent here. Welcome to episode number 69 of the podcast. I'm glad you've joined the Building Great Lives journey. And before we get started, as always, I'd like to say a huge thank you to our monthly ministry partners, and to you, the listener, you make this ministry possible. I've been enjoying reading all of your reviews on Apple Podcast. Your five-star ratings and reviews is helping. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I am so excited to have you on the Building Great Lives team. Here at the Building Great Lives podcast, it's our desire to help people from around the world grow, heal, discover, and fulfill their unique purpose. Thank you for sharing these episodes. We're praying these messages of hope reach every possible person in every possible nation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about resolving conflict God's way. A conflict is an argument, typically a serious or protracted disagreement between two or more people. And biblically, we find four types of conflicts. Spiritual conflict, that is the enemy trying to tempt us, trying to deceive us. We find doctrinal conflict, where people are reading the word of God and either not obeying it or even misusing what scripture would say. We have interpersonal conflict, which refers to the internal conflict within ourselves. And fourth, we find interpersonal conflict, which refers to any type of conflict involving two or more people. Although avoiding conflict altogether is the goal, it is impossible. The Bible teaches us to pursue peace. We are to do our best to live in a manner that avoids purposely creating or stirring up conflict. We are to live peaceably with those around us, including our family, Christians, and those that are not in the church, our neighbors, our community, and according to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 2, even government powers so that we can, as Paul told Timothy, live a quiet and peaceful life. Yes, that even includes those that we don't completely agree with. I don't want to allow anything, including government powers or relationships in the church or outside the church, to cause me to live a life that is not a peaceful and quiet life. Too much stress comes upon us that we needlessly carry. When we understand that God is in control of all things, we do not have to live our lives in conflict with everything that is around us. Have you ever met somebody that it's like they're always in conflict? It's like they're always in a rage over something. That may be normal in the natural world. However, it is not intended for us to live that way once we have the peace of God at work in our lives. There is a difference between warring in the spirit and having a warring spirit. The psalmist David declared in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 14, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Maybe we need to evaluate the things that we listen to the things that we watch, because maybe it is that some people have to keep you stirred up in order to keep you engaged. And if they have to keep you mad to keep you engaged, then that is not the work of the Spirit. We are to seek peaceful things. We are to pursue peace. Paul said in Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify one another. If all we're doing is tearing one another down, we are not seeking for peace. The Bible places great emphasis on us living at peace with one another. Now, unfortunately, there are times we find ourselves in conflict. It's natural. It's human. We try to avoid it. We try to live a peaceful, godly life, but there are many times that we do find ourselves in conflict, and so when we find ourselves in conflict, it's important to know what to do. Regardless of how much we want to avoid conflicts, no one sees eye to eye 100% of the time. Between personality differences being exhausted or emotionally drained, disagreements can escalate into conflict very quickly. Often between two people that have loved each other, cared for each other for years, and actually want the best for each other, but because of personality differences, with strong wills, and exhaustion or emotional distress, We can escalate things so fast, and our pride, none of us want to just jump up and say, let's stop this right here. I'm sorry, and let's move forward. That's very difficult for all of us to do because we're human, and if it was easy to do those things, we would not have those personality conflicts to begin with. Such disagreements happen in families, workplaces, and society in general. And when these conflicts occur, it's important we know how to manage and correct them. Now, the Bible gives us many examples of conflicts. We find the story in Genesis chapter 13 where Abram was very rich. He had a lot of cattle. He had a lot of silver and gold. The Bible says something very interesting in Genesis 13 and 5. It says, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. They've both been successful. But then by the time we get to verse number seven, we find that there is a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. They began to get in conflict with one another. And Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Let's not fight. Let's live in peace. Let's find a resolution. There's the whole land before you. If you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart and go to the right, then I will go to the left. Abram is looking at Lot and saying, we're family. We've been through too much. We're actually both successful here. Let's not argue among ourselves. Let's find a resolution. Abram was willing to offer him, you choose where to go and I'll take the opposite. He did not stand his ground and say, I'm older. I took you in. I provided for you when your father died. I've brought you this far. You wouldn't have been successful without me. All of those things were true. But Abram didn't bring those things up. He simply wanted to stop the conflict and find a a resolution that worked for both of them. That's an important thing. That's a powerful lesson to learn. Sometimes it's not about getting our way. It's about resolving the conflict in a godly manner so that relationships can be maintained. Relationships are unlike doctrine. We don't compromise doctrine, but if you're going to have a healthy relationship, there has to be a level of adjustment and, dare I say, compromise. It has to be. It's not because I'm trying to win. I'm trying to make sure that my relationships win. I'm not out to be the victor that can run around saying, look how I won. I don't win if my relationships fall apart. The only way we truly win in the kingdom is for our relationships to be mended and restored the way that God would have them. So we need to seek resolution that does not just benefit ourselves, but a resolution that benefits both parties. Now, again, I know this is very difficult because once we get in conflict, we want to stand our ground. God says that we are to pursue peace. We also find in Genesis chapter 25 through 27, and then again in Genesis 32 through 33, the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. Esau was born first. Jacob was born second. Jacob deceived his father Isaac and received the blessing that belonged to his firstborn brother. Esau came in from hunting, exhausted and weary. Jacob talked his brother into trading his inheritance for a bowl of stew esau's careless treatment of his god-given blessing shows his true focus was on temporary desires over lifetime blessings and relationships needless to say this conflict drove a deep wedge between the two brothers the bible says that jacob fled from the face of his brother two brothers. Driven apart in Genesis chapter 32, the Bible says in verse 6 And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee with 400 men. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Then the Bible says, Jacob prayed, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me. Jacob then sent gifts to his brother Esau. The Bible called him in the King James droves. He sent flocks and herds to him as a gift. And there he went alone and crossed the ford Jebok. And there Jacob wrestled with the angel unto the breaking of the day, making the appropriate changes to him. Genesis 32 and verse 28, The angel said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Then the Bible says Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came. And this is where we find the reconciliation. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept together. It's important to understand that between the time where they had their conflict to the time that they were reconciled was around 20 years. Many things had changed. We got to be very careful because the longer we live in conflict and withdraw ourselves from people, the easier it is to never connect with them again. And there are some people that God moves us away from, but he will always do that in the right manner. And then there are some instances where people have been abusive. You don't need to be connected to them again. You need to stay away. That is not the will of God for you to suffer abuse in the name of reconciliation. However, God will reconcile some things into himself and make you whole. And we pray that God convicts and changes the abuser. Reconciliation isn't about you walking back into abuse. It's about making right relationships, valuable relationships whole again. Even Jesus' disciples who saw miracles, heard great preaching, heard powerful teaching, they had a dispute over who was the greatest among them and who should sit down on the right hand or the left hand side of the Lord. Luke said in chapter 22, verse 24, And there was also strife among the disciples, which of them should be accounted the greatest. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how close to the Lord you are. There are always going to be conflicts that arise. We've got to learn how to manage them correctly. Paul and Barnabas, powerful men of God in Acts chapter 15 Bible says that Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch. What were they doing in Antioch? They were teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. They are in the work of God. They are doing the teaching and they are doing the preaching. And Paul feels that it's time for them to go check on the churches that they have started and see how they're all doing. And Barnabas was determined to take with him John Mark. But Paul thought it wasn't good to take John Mark with them because John Mark had left them at another time and did not work with them. And so it left Paul thinking that John Mark was lazy. He didn't want to work and he wasn't committed to the call. And so there was contention, the Bible says. Matter of fact, the King James text even says, and the contention was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took John Mark, And Paul chose Silas. Now we do find later in Paul's life, not long before he died, that he admitted that he was wrong and he called for John Mark. I use these examples to show you that no matter who you are, no matter what position you are in life, there's always the opportunity of conflict got to learn how to manage it. So we've talked about personal conflicts within people, but we also find in Corinthians that Paul addressed the fact that there were, King James uses the word contentions, it literally means quarrels or conflicts among the people at the Corinthian church. And there he began to stress to them, some of you are arguing you are of Paul and some are of Apollos, but you're, you're not of either of us. Is the body divided? You're really all a part of Christ. The book of Proverbs characterizes those who stir up conflict as persons given to anger. In Proverbs 15, verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29, 22, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Speaking of anger, I know some of you may be wondering, but doesn't the Bible say be angry and sin not? Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, be ye angry and sin not and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Paul recognizes that there are legitimate causes to be angry, but warns us against letting it lead to sin. Be angry and sin not. The word angry in the original Greek means to be agitated, to be provoked to anger, to become irritated. And according to James chapter 1, verse 20, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. God is trustworthy and anything that might bother us to the point of anger can be given to him. We can trust him to handle it properly. The first thing we need to do is ask ourselves, why should we resolve conflict? Why shouldn't we just get mad and cut people off? Well, because God's example to us. The ultimate conflict was created by sin. The holiness of God versus the sinfulness of man. Sin caused enmity with God. Enmity is feud, hostility, and conflict. Sin caused there to be a conflict between man and And God first John 1 and 8 said if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but God did not want just to cut us off. God wanted to restore relationship with us, so he made a way that we could reconcile unto him. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 8, that through strife and through sin, we were separated from God. And enmity came from us against God. But God made a way to end the feud, end the hostility and the conflict, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof. Reconcile means to bring back to a state of harmony. When we repent, God forgives. When we were baptized in his name, God remits our sins. And when he fills us with his spirit, he's looking at us and saying, there was conflict, but I made a way to resolve the conflict. And we have to admit, we've all sinned, which means in this conflict with God, we were the ones in the wrong. God was not in the wrong. We were in the wrong. Yet God did not just write us off and cut us off and say, I'll raise up another people. I'll create someone else. I'll deliver someone else. No, he made a way for us. And God, that which was invisible, became visible, manifest in the flesh, gave himself for us on the cross, that whosoever will could enter in and find reconciliation. Can you imagine if God had the same attitude as we have sometimes? We get angry. We want to prove our point. We know that other person was wrong, and we cut them off forever. If God had done that, you and I, listener, would be lost forever, living without hope, but he did not do that. He made a way to reconcile. So why should we want to know how to resolve conflicts in a biblical manner? We are now taking the example that Jesus gave us and giving it to others. What God has done for us, we should strive to extend to others. Now, certainly, I'm not talking about forgiving sins. We're not God, but I'm talking about reconciliation of conflicts. So the first thing we need to do is we need to pray for the right spirit and for better understanding. Pray that God would give you the right spirit and insight so that you could understand both sides. Again, that's not easy, but it is required. Attempt to understand the other person's side just as you want them to understand yours. If we could get that mindset Our conflicts would be resolved so much faster. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verse three and four, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Remember, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all had the wrong attitude. We've all been right, but we've also all been wrong. If we are going to begin the process of reconciliation, we must first go to God in prayer and ask him to give us a right spirit. Because until our spirit's right, We're always going to have that conflict against that person. But when my spirit becomes right and I realize what God did to resolve the conflict between he and I, all of the sudden my spirit begins to go, I have a whole lot more empathy. I have a whole lot more compassion when I begin to see others through the lens of Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, give me the right spirit and give me better understanding Help me to see their side. I still may not agree with it, but help me, Lord, to give an honest attempt at understanding so that when I talk to them, they can see that I care, that there's not just a wall of animosity that's up, that I do care about how they feel and how they think. So I want a right spirit, and I want better understanding. And then second, we need to respectfully go to the person that we're having conflict with. Maybe even text them. Maybe send them an email whatever you need to do that you're comfortable with in order to start the engagement process. We need to go to them. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, "'Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God.'" Peacemakers. That means you have to be making peace. It is not always natural. You have to pursue it, and you have to make it. You have to go after it. "'Blessed are the peacemakers.'" Unresolved conflict affects our spiritual well-being. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verses twenty-three through twenty-five. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against you, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Don't let that thing simmer on the inside. It will just eat away at your spirit. While thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and be cast into prison. Now, he's talking about a physical prison, but there are some of us that are living in emotional and spiritual prisons because we are refusing to have reconciliation with the people that we have had conflict with that God wants to restore in our lives. If these attempts do not bring reconciliation, then next, according to scripture, we need to bring a third party. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, wherefore, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. May I suggest to bring an independent person that is trusted by both parties? This will make it so much easier when parties in conflict can open up to someone that they both know, to give them independent advice, but trusted advice. That way, either party can see the right or wrong of their ways, make adjustments and compromises, correct the situation, and move forward. What if they still reject your attempt to reconcile? Well, if you have sincerely prayed, and you have followed the before-mentioned steps of reconciliation, and the other party still refuses then first of all, I want you to keep praying. Don't give up, but give them some space. Give it some time and give God a chance to change their heart just like God has changed your heart. Whenever possible, relationships are worth mending. It is the biblical way. And as has become our tradition here at the Building Great Lives podcast, I want to pray for you, listener. I want to pray that God would help resolve some conflict that you've been living in. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you right now to reach down and move on every person that is listening. And God, if there be the opportunity of reconciliation, I pray, God, that you would grant it and you would help them to be able to move toward it. But Lord, that prison that they've lived in for so long of despair, of anger, that spirit that becomes critical, God, I pray that you would help them You, God, are greater. Your mercy's greater. Your healing's greater. Your power's greater. God, I pray that you do the supernatural and reconcile relationships back together again. And we'll give you the thanksgiving and praise for doing it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. In the meantime, please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. Maybe text them the link or share it on your social. You can find me on social at Trent Gilliam, G-I-L-L-I-A-M. On Instagram at Rev Gillum, you can also reach me at buildinggreatlivespodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and until next time, let's keep building. You've been listening to the Building Great Lives Podcast, a member of the Real Life Church Network. Join us next time as we dig deeper into life's most challenging questions.